Alright, hallelujah. Alright, praise the Lord. Let me see who's in the house today. It's good to see everybody. Yes, I heard that's the new favorite uh, phrase here at at New Philadelphia. Right. Oh, yeah. I heard Diddy did the announcements last week. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I just came back from uh, Australia uh, this past week, just a couple days ago. And, um, man, it was was a powerful time. And... uh, I want to. I, I kind of shared on Friday Fire some some of the testimonies uh, from our trip. Uh, I won't be able to do that so much here today because uh, we have to cut the uh, service a little bit shorter because we have to catch a flight uh, because about 14 of us will be getting on a plane to go to Cambodia tonight. So uh, back to back, Hallelujah! And that's the way uh, God has uh, scheduled it for me this time. And so I really appreciate your prayers um, because physically uh, I am kind of very weak and vulnerable. And uh, I'm getting massively attacked by the enemy uh, these past few days. Um, and I, I really think it's a backlash from Australia because uh, what we saw in Australia was really incredible. It was amazing. It exceeded any and everyone's expectations about the trip. Um, I mean, God just really just sparked a powerful revival. And he went and, he, and we went and he sent us. Uh, to Australia to really raise up the army. You know, I, I was kind of like thinking, are they going to get on with this kind of vision? You know, uh, should I should I really preach about the army of God? Well, that was the first message I preached, man. Them young people, they responded. They were living all kinds of backslidden double lives, sleeping around, doing drugs. And some of them were, you know, one guy was in a gang, all this stuff. But hallelujah, when they heard the message of the, wor- the word of the Lord go out and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, man, people responded. It was powerful. And throughout the rest of the trip, it was just... A matter of just actually getting them to rise up. And praise the Lord. I mean, God's really using us in that way. And I believe that we are uh, not just going to Australia uh, to set free the captives and to bind up the brokenhearted. But God is also sending us to Australia to kind of raise up churches like ourselves. Churches that will raise up the army of God. And this vision, the army vision is uh, really um, spreading or it's already spread. And it's unusual how uh, there's many different ministries that are really, um, from this past year, they've really been adopting and getting on board with this vision. It's kind of like, this kind of like, all of a sudden, everybody's on board with this kind of warrior army vision. And so I believe that our church is right on with the prophetic word of the Lord. And I believe he's, what he's doing at this hour is really raising up his bride, not to just be in love with him, but also to, to, to you know, underneath that wedding dress, is a sword, hallelujah. It's a warrior bride. Somebody say warrior bride. Warrior bride, bride, hallelujah. Not bridal warrior. I forget who said that. It's a warrior bride is, is, uh, I think, a much better term, hallelujah. Uh, But praise the Lord. Um, I'm just going to preach today's word. It's from Revelation chapter 12. Look with me at verse 7. I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. That's what our church uses here. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. 
And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who was also called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Look at verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that there is power in the testimony of the saints? There is power in the testimony, power to heal, power to deliver, power to set free, power to call forth, power to inspire faith, power to give hope to the hopeless, power to save in the testimony. There is power in the testimony, brothers and sisters. Now recently I've been reading my ESV. And uh, I just started reading. I, I switched from NIV to ESV this past year. If you want to know why, you got to go back to one of my messages. I talked about it there. Um, uh, uh, we did change to essentially literal translation for uh, more in-depth Bible study purposes. But I'm reading through um, Psalm 119 right now in my personal devotions. I just finished reading through Psalm 119. It took me like three months. Hallelujah. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. Hallelujah. It's also because I, I was lazy in my Bible reading. But anyway, uh, as I'm reading through Psalm 119, there's something that kind of disturbed me about Psalm 119. It's because in the NIV, whenever I read Psalm 119, it would say things like, uh, turn there if you have the ESV. I'm going to turn there to Psalm 119 right now. Look at that drawing right there. Psalm 119. Right, right from the get-go, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Right from the get-go, I was like, testimonies? Man, that's a bad translation. You know, the NIV says, blessed are those who keep his statutes. That sounds a little, I don't know what statutes means. But that sounds a little bit more like, because that's what I'm used to, I guess. But I was like, testimony? Who keeps testimonies? What does that even mean? Right? And so it started to kind of irk me a little bit. Because if you read the whole chapter of Psalm 119, in the ESV, that word testimony just constantly repeats again and again and again. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies I delight. Verse 22, take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. And on and on and on. And so there was this dissonance caused in my heart. It was created in my heart with the word testimony. And I was just like, man, I, I prefer the NIV translation when it comes to this. Because it don't make no sense. How do you keep a, what? Are, what are you talking about? You know, testimony, right? And so there was this spiritual, there was this dissonance caused in my, in my heart. And then what happened was, as I was preparing for these mission trips that we, we just came back from and we were going on today, God put it on my heart. Tell your team members to prepare their testimonies. Right? I, and God put that strong in my heart. Tell them to prepare the testimonies. And in the past, we've always encouraged the team members, hey, prepare your testimonies just in case we want to call on you to share your testimony on the missions field. Just have it ready. 
But we never really like urge people to actually have it ready. But this time it was a lot stronger. And so I strongly urge people to, to prepare the testimony. And the Australia team got specifically pointed out Mina and Aaron. And so I, I mentioned it in passing and then I kind of mentioned it a little bit more. But maybe I didn't mention it enough because they didn't really prepare the testimony. <laughs> but, uh, but they had it. They have their testimony, but I wanted them to actually write it out so that it would be real clear. But, uh, and then even on this Cambodia trip, God really impressed upon my heart, shared the testimony. And good thing our sister Eno, you know, she's got that, that, that Nazi leadership a little bit on there. Hallelujah. Uh, she, man, she got a testimony from every single team member. Almost got one from me too. Hallelujah. But, but hallelujah, I, 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 I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> I don't have my testimony written out. Anyway, I gotta preach though, so hallelujah. Um, but yeah, it was it was real strong. And then what I, what ended up happening was I was reading a book by Bill Johnson called um, the book of the the book is called Release the Power of Jesus. You know, release the power of Jesus. Had no idea what the book was about. Started reading it because I I got four Bill Johnson books recently. I, I just Roy and and uh, Diane Wheat. They they turned me into a Bill Johnson fan this past year. Man, when I first heard this guy speak, I was like, man, this guy's a joke. He don't know how to preach. He just stands there and he just like, he just talks. And he doesn't really preach the word of God. And I didn't really like his style. But the more I listen to him, man, he really, he really gives you meat. Like when he like teaches and preaches, he really gives like deep stuff. Makes you go, hmm. Makes you go, oh. And it makes me like really like think, man, this guy's like operating at generational blessings. Because he's, he's, he's had a generational blessing from his father being a pastor and stuff like that. And man, this guy's really, really moving in deep wisdom. And so I picked up four of his books. One of the, uh, I was trying to find out which book should I read first. And no, normally people read this book by Bill Johnson called um, uh, When T- Heaven Touches Earth, right? What's it called? Heaven Invades Earth. Hallelujah. But uh, instead of reading that book, I chose this book. Release the power of Jesus. I just remember thinking, uh, Lord, just, just lead me to the book you want me to read first. I don't want to read randomly. Just lead me to the book you want. And he's like, release the power of Jesus. Read this one. I start picking it up. And I'm reading through all the preface. I always read through the preface. It's, good. it's a good idea. If you read a preface, it makes you want to read the book more, by the way. Hallelujah. All the haters who, who don't like prefaces and introductions, read it. Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm reading through it. And I found out the book is actually about... One thing and one thing only is about testimonies. So I just read the first two chapters and man, just from the wisdom I got from the first two chapters, God did incredible things through me in my ministry already in just about a month. And so as I'm reading this book, I just felt God put it real strong in my heart. Testimony. Christian, you have no idea the power of a testimony. You do not know. You have not tapped into the power of a testimony. And so I'm reading back to Psalm 119, and there you go. The word comes popping up again. Testimony. Test, testimonies. <laughs> and you know, when we often talk, think about testimony, you know what we think about? We think about our salvation. In Campus Crusade, whenever we ask students to prepare their testimony, we usually have a wor- workshop, and in the workshop, we give them a sheet, and we ask them to outline their testimony in three parts. First, you talk about before you got saved... Second, you talk about how you got saved. And third, you talk about what was your life like after you got saved. 
So that's what we think about, what, what I think about when I think of testimony. Because that's what Campus Crusade, that's the only thing I was exposed to. Right? And so my testimony was never very exciting. Because my life before Christ, alright, was before fourth grade. Okay? I didn't do drugs. I didn't go to clubs. You know? I was just a little, a little kid. Yeah, I did like bad things and like I, I would, I always try to write it like, yeah, when I was third grade, I was a very mean third grader. Before I met Christ, I used to like curse once a month. I don't know. I try to always like write about how, because you know, the more you talk about your life before Christ being really bad and sinful, it makes the testimony that much better, you know? But man, I don't have really like a big story like that, you know? So my testimony, whenever I thought about my testimony, I always just didn't think there was much power in my testimony. And, but the truth is, what I'm reading through Bill Johnson's book, I'm realizing that testimony is not one-dimensional. Testimony, that word testimony is very deep. And we read it here in Revelations, right? In Revelation chapter 12, it says, when Satan came to make war on the saints, the Bible says that the church, the saints, overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's something very powerful about the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. The blood of Jesus, you know, has the power to set people free. The blood of Jesus has the power to give you a new beginning. The blood of Jesus forgives and cleanses you from all sin. But when's the last time you heard somebody preach about the power of your testimony? The power of a testimony. Because in Revelation chapter 12, it says... They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Brothers and sisters, I want us today to break free from any one-dimensional definitions of what what a testimony is. Uh, Bill Johnson defines it like this. A testimony, if you want to write this down, this is the definition, is the written or spoken record of anything that God has done in history. Testimony is the written or spoken record of anything that God has done in history. That's what, a def- that's what a testimony is. So that means not only do you have one testimony regarding your salvation, but you have numerous testimonies that you have access to. And I'm not even just, you don't even have to have personally experienced the testimony yourself. There are just... Just a multitude of testimonies that you have access to. You know, places you can look into for testimonies? Number one, you can look in the Bible. If you read the book of Exodus or the book of Acts, these books in the Bible are just books filled with testimonies, brothers and sisters. Not of what just the apostles did, because oftentimes we call it the Acts of the Apostles. But my church history professor, you know, he pointed out, it's more accurate to actually say the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because all the things that went on in the book of Acts did not originate with the apostles. Right? That vision of the blanket from heaven to Peter. The road to Damascus. All those originated with God. And these are Acts of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, who came into the room? Did they... 
Did the apostles come into the room and start, hey, everybody, let's get excited. Let's get fired up. No, it's the Holy Spirit came. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that book, man, Acts is just full of testimonies. Book of Exodus is also a book of amazing testimonies of what God has done. Testimony is the written or spoken record of anything that God has done in history. And you know what? If you think of it this way, man, there's a lot of testimonies out there. Uh, Because not only is the Bible the source of testimonies, but your family and your friends. They are also sources of testimonies. Just look into their lives. Look what God has done in their lives and you will find many, many, many testimonies. Or you can look into your own life. Hallelujah. You can look into your own life and you may find many testimonies. You can not, not just the Bible, your family, friends, and your own life, but you can also look in history. Look at history. Some people, they get so inspired and faith is get, their faith just rises up when they read the history of revival. When they read testimonies of what people experienced. You know, there's this guy named Smith Wigglesworth. During the early 1900s, at the turn of the Azusa Street revivals in America, a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. This guy was a plumber, poorly educated, didn't have a Master of Divinity degree, nothing like that. But God used him in a powerful way. And if you read his testimonies, man, they are amazing stuff. I told you the story already. There was one time, a guy died. Somebody was dead. I don't know if it was like somebody's house. I don't know if it was in the middle of a church service. I hope that never happens here. Hallelujah at our church. But somebody just died. It just fall, fall flat died, dead. And you know what he did? He went over there and he picked the guy up by his collar. And said, in Jesus' name, live! And he let, let the guy go and he just fell back on the ground. Everybody's watching. They're like, what kind of crazy guy is this? And comes up again. He takes the guy by the collar again. Lifts up the dead body and says, In the name of Jesus, live! And the dead body just spilled again on the floor. Lifeless. Dead. No breathing. No pulse. And the Bible, and, and, and in these books, it says, Smith Douglas went the third time. And picked him up and said, You better listen to me. In the name of Jesus, I told you to live. Jesus' name, live! And all of a sudden, the guy just came back to life. And everybody just got, they got messed up. Because they saw an amazing miracle take place right there. But you know what? Some of you are looking at me. None of you went, wow, by the way. None of you in here went, wow. You know what? Y'all went, whatever. (laughs) I ain't never heard that before. But you have. Look in your Bibles. Look in the Gospels. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Paul, one time he was preaching, and I guess his preaching wasn't that great. Maybe his letters were much better. His preaching was so bad, this young man was sitting by the window. He fell asleep, fell out of the window from like four stories high or whatever, and he, he hit the ground and died. And Paul felt so terrible. He was like, no! <laughs> And he laid out on the body. And then the young man came back to life. Not just the New Testament. Look at the Old Testament. Uh, 
Elisha, Elijah, they raised people from the dead. And you're sitting there going, whatever. But I'm saying this is what God has done. This is the nature of God. A God of power, a God of goodness, a God of love. If He raised the dead thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, and He raised the dead in the times of Jesus, and He raised the dead in the book of Acts, and He raised the dead in the early 1900s, there's a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. He can raise the dead today. Hallelujah. But you know what? Most of you are still going, whatever. Because when it comes down to it, all of you in here, you pick and choose which testimonies you want to believe. All of us do it. And it's not in the name of, oh no, what if that, that story is, you know, what if they're part of a cult? You know? No, that's not the real concern. When you hear those testimonies, you just go, no, well maybe it was just for that one time. Maybe it was just like a special thing. It's for them and not for me. And we pick and choose which testimonies to believe. Let me read with you. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Let me, let me show you what Jesus thinks about this kind of attitude that we have toward testimonies. Look at Luke chapter 24. Some of y'all need to feel the heat of this conviction. You look at, you look at your Bibles. Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 33. Luke 24, 33. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of read this through, okay? This is the road to Emmaus. Emmaus College students. Are you on the house? Uh, I guess most of them are on the mission trip. There's a couple here. Hallelujah. And um, this is the road to Emmaus. This is right after the road to Emmaus. Look at verse 33. It says, they got up, the two dudes that met the resurrected Christ on the road to Emmaus. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now check this out. Pause right here. Notice in verse 34 they say, It is true. What are they referring to? It is true. How did they hear that Jesus was already resurrected? Okay. I'll tell you right now. For whatever reason, Jesus appeared to women. At his resurrection, one of the first people he, re- he appeared to were the women. And it's, it's just almost like, it's almost like a, it's like a stinging rebuke. Because you know what? If Smith Wigglesworth was Sandra Wigglesworth, you know what? More people would disbelieve the story. Isn't that right? Somehow, the testimony of a woman is less believable than the testimony of a man. And I think that's kind of messed up. That's quite messed up, isn't it? What, is it, are women more gullible? Well, some of them are, but, you know, no. All across the board, no, they're not. There's gullible men in here. Right, men? <laughs> so yeah, these these two disciples, they were not part of the, the original twelve. These two disciples, they they're they're referring to the woman's testimony. 
Because these women came back and said, we, we, we just saw Jesus. He was, it was him. And then they're like, all right, Mary, this is post-trauma syndrome. Just calm down. Have a glass of water right here, girl. You ain't seen nobody, all right? You just miss Jesus. I miss Jesus too. Shh, let me pray for you. That's what the men did. That's what the men did. And the women were like, why don't they believe us? They just had a, they had a testimony of Jesus' resurrection. Nobody believed them. And so Jesus, he, resur- he appears to these guys on the road to the, uh, Emmaus. And they come back. And guess what? They say, it's true. We met him. He was on the road. It was him. I'm sure of it. We're sure of it. And they come back and they tell the, the disciples and the people that were gathered with them. They tell him this. And guess what the disciples did? They didn't believe him. Did you know that? They didn't go, now that you have, now that two men have seen him risen, we know that what you're saying is true. No, they didn't. It's almost like their hearts got more hard. They're like, man, why are you doing this to us? Don't tell us this stuff. Man, why? You're tripping out just like those women. What's wrong with you men? You're, you're men. Wake up. Come on. Let me pray for you. Come here. Take a glass of water right here. Like, as, as almost they're about to do that, guess what happens? Look, check this out, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. So he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? You know what Jesus is doing right here? And by the way, right after this, he says, yeah, you got something to eat? Give me some fish. Give me something, man. I'm hungry. Why? Because ghosts, they don't eat. Spirits don't eat. But Jesus was not appearing in a spirit form like some of the cults and Gnostics say. Jesus appeared in the flesh, the physical body. Just like you and me, when we are glor- when we get our glorified bodies at the resurrection, you're not going to be like a bunch of spirits hanging out in heaven. Hey, yeah, remember how we used to eat down on earth? Yeah, I miss some steak, man. I wish there was steak up in heaven. But we're now spirits. We have no bodies. Hey, I could look at me. I'm floating through the sky. I'm just a big spirit. Hello. Okay, we, that's what we think. A lot of us think that's what heaven's going to be. Heaven's not going to be like that. The Bible tells us that Jesus, just as Jesus had an actual physical resurrected body. You also, in the twinkling of an eye, you will be given a glorified physical body. So you should really be happy. And all the Sankapur and whatever surgery you got, <laughs> twinkle of an eye is all going to be gone. Everybody's going to be like, oh, I knew it! I knew it! No, you guys will get a physical body. Anyway, hallelujah. Jesus, after this, he, he's, he said, give me something to eat to just show that he had a physical body. But the, one, the place I want to focus on is verse 38. He says, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? You know what Jesus is doing here? He's rebuking the disciples for not believing in a testimony. Is somebody hear me today? We have a culture where we pick and choose... What we want to believe when we hear these testimonies. Whether it's testimonies in the Bible, testimonies from our family. Oh yeah, that's just crazy Aunt Tom. Uh, not Aunt Tom. Uncle Tom. 
that's our that's our Kunimo man. She's just tripping, man. And that's uh, that's my cousin. You know, there's something wrong with him. You can't believe everything he says. Whether it's in the Bible, in our families, our friends, or whether we read it in history, we pick and choose which testimonies to believe. And if Jesus could appear to us here today, he will come. He will come in here and say, "Why do doubts arise in your minds?" Do you not see the power of a testimony? Hear it. Believe it. Because what I did for Smith Wigglesworth, I can do through you. I can do for you. Hallelujah. The healings that took place through Peter, you can demonstrate that power as well. For I myself have said, the things you see me do, you also will do. And greater things you will, also, you will do because I'm going to the Father. That's the words of Jesus in the Gospels. He would appear here today and say, look, what Smith Wigglesworth did, he just did exactly what I prophesied you would do. And you know what? If you would start believing some of these testimonies and start hating and being a skeptic, when do we become such experts of skepticism in the church? We ought to be experts of faith. Even if there's a danger of gullibility. You know, sometimes, you know, we hate the feeling. You know, sometimes, you know, there's an old joke in high school. You know, you go up to a girl. You know, you'd be like, hey, did you know that gullible's not in the dictionary? And she'd be like, really? <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, man, you're so gullible, girl. <laughs> and then, you know, the girl's like, hey, can't believe you got me again. You know, and, and you, if, you, if you've ever been on the opposite side of this joke, you know how terrible it feels to be gullible, like to be, to be taken, like, you know, like, you know. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And others have been telling the joke. Stop that. But we don't like that feeling of being deceived, right? None of us likes that feeling. And sometimes we have been so deceived because as children we grow up with these traumatic incidents where people lie to us. You know, whether it's your sibling lying to you, you know, just to like, you know, just to have a good time, have fun, you know, they kind of tell you this thing and it ends up not being true. And you're like, man, I will never believe anything ever again. I will never believe my sister. I will never be gullible like that again. I will never be that vulnerable. And you know what? Sometimes we overcompensate. And instead of creating an atmosphere of faith, when you overcompensate, you become experts of skepticism. And all faith dies in your life. And instead of believing the testimonies of the saints, which is the power to overcome the enemy, by the way, you never overcome the enemy because you're constantly doubting. You hear these amazing testimonies. I mean, I'm telling you these... Uh, I didn't even tell you the testimonies, but some people heard it on Friday Fire. Testimonies from Australia. You may even hear these awesome testimonies that just took place. Some of us are going to go to Cambodia. You know what? We may see physical healings come back and tell you about it. And there are going to be some people who are going to be like, whatever. Brothers and sisters, this is a culture not created by the Spirit of God. This is a culture created by the devil himself. Why? Because the devil knows Revelation chapter 12. He knows that the church overcomes the enemy. He, he knows that he is going to be overcome by the church, by the, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of the testimony. So if you can create a culture 
where he makes you second guess and doubt every testimony you ever hear, whether it's in the Bible or from your family or from in history, he knows he can take away the power that is rightfully yours to overcome the works of the enemy. Brothers and sisters, the testimony is very powerful. You know, uh, turn to Revelation 19. Turn to Revelation 19, verse 10. Look at, look at verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. It says, I fell at his feet to worship him. This is like an angel. And he said unto me, Wait, what, what version am I reading? Let me read, let me read from my Bible. Okay. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And he says something interesting here. He says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let me rock your world a little bit for those who are, who are flowing or those who are there and they already have the, they're already filled with the fire of God. This is going to make a lot of sense to you right now. And for the, for the rest of you, you need to come to one of our services where we have the fire of God and the baptism of fire. I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to get hit with the fire and you'll never be the same again. That's why our church is different. It's not because I teach well or I preach well. And in my humble opinion, I do that too. Hallelujah. But it's because of the Spirit of God. It's because people here are filled with the Spirit. Not what just filled with good teaching. It's because they're filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. But anyway, pe- people who are, who are really on fire, you're going you're gonna to get this. So check this out. I'm going to walk your world because Bill Johnson just rocked my world and I'm going to do you a favor and rock yours too. Testimony, the Bible says here, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, do you know that every testimony that you have in your life from your own personal experience, that is not just your testimony, but something else is also true. That's a testimony of Jesus. Because if Jesus holds the pen and he's been writing your story, guess what? That's not just your testimony. It's Jesus' testimony. It is the testimony of Jesus. And what the Bible tells us is, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, testimony is a form of prophecy. Now that may not make sense to you. Because when you think of prophecy, you think of very specific things. Um, Bill Johnson said it like this. Prophecy either foretells the future or causes a change in the present. A testimony then becomes catalytic in its ability to bring about a change of atmosphere in the present, making room for a supernatural release. I told you this guy is deep, man. You have to really get deep into his words to understand what he's saying here. What he's saying is testimony, when you share a testimony... You are prophesying over people. In Joel chapter 2, it says, The Spirit of God will be poured out on my sons and daughters, and they will prophesy. Yes, like literally, we need to prophesy and learn how to move in the prophetic. But speaking the testimony of Jesus is a form of prophecy. I'll tell you why, right? Because when, when Brother Michael was here and he prophesied over people, guess what happened? Some people, they got, they got like a glimpse of the future. Other people, God just spoke to them about the present. I remember, 
uh, Columbia Brian, he's not here, so he'll just get this on the podcast. But I'm a dog on him since he's not here. Columbia Brian, homeboy came up and got prayed for, right? And, and Brother Michael was praying for him, started prophesying over him. And didn't really say too much about his future. He said some stuff about his future, but he said a lot about his present. And you know, something interesting he said that I always saw in Brian, but I never pointed it out. The Spirit of God just spoke it out through Brother Michael. Brother Michael said, Brother, you're being too hard on yourself. Every week you ask God, Lord, did I do well? Did I do well? Did what I do, was it pleasing to you? Was it good enough? Was it good enough? Was it good enough? Every week you ask the Lord. You know, you see Brian up here and he's pouring out his heart. And he's giving it all he's got on Saturday practices, on Sunday afternoon practices, on Sunday worship. He comes out to the Friday fires, the Sunday sp- He's out every, he was pouring out his heart. And yet he was so hard on himself, he doubted whether what he was bringing to God was good enough. Whether it was even pleasing to God. He was, he was so hard on himself. He's like a perfectionist. He's a melancholy, you know. So Brother Michael just says something about his present and said, You are saying constantly, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Is what I did good enough? And God's spirit is just saying to you, yes. It is good enough. Brother, stop being so hard on yourself. God delights in your obedience. And for him, man, that's the word that just messed him up. Because he just... I don't know, he made this strange contortion with his face. And you know, he has weird skin and like weird nose. I've never seen it on his face before. Start crying and start shaking under the power of God. Why? Because that prophecy was exactly what he needed to hear. That was what edified him. And I think since that prophecy, he's been even rising up even more. He's been more confident, more bold. As he should be. But what I'm... Saying is, just like Brother Michael prophesied, and it released this incredible faith and perspective in Brian's relationship with God, when you share a testimony, it does the same thing. I'll share with you right now. When we were in Australia, on the second night of the retreat, I was supposed to preach a message. I was going to preach on the spirit of Caleb. It's a powerful message about really raising up the army of God to go into the promised land. Because so many churches, they miss it. They get real close and then they don't go in. Right? And so we need that spirit of Caleb that says, Nah, I'm going to go in. I don't care if none of y'all with me, I'm going to go in. And I was going to preach that message. And then while I'm praying, I, I, I spent an unusual long time and quiet time that day. And then when I was praying, I just felt God was like, I want you to have Mina and Aaron share the testimony. And immediately I, I kind of like argue with God. Well, they didn't write it out, Lord. They're not ready, so you shouldn't put them up. And God's Spirit said, no, you will obey me. <laughs> I was like, alright, Lord, of course, I'll, I'll obey you. I'm just saying. Like, they should have prepared. <laughs> well, bless them, Lord. Anoint them to, to share their testimony tonight, then. And God put a restraint on my heart, right? And I thought, you know, they would just share a couple testimonies, and then I would tie that in somehow to my message, right? So later that night, I, I, I told them, and then they, they got ready, and they went up, and they shared a testimony. Mina went up and shared her testimony, all right, about how she had lived a promiscuous life up in the clubs, you know, and uh, you're unashamed of your testimony, right? So this is what shocked everybody. Uh, Mina, when, when she was in college, 
she actually had an abortion. She got pregnant by one of her boyfriends. And she went and she actually had an abortion. And the, and the guilt and the bondage from that oppression, you know, Satan was using that to control her life. But when she came to this church, God's spirit was filling her and touching her so powerfully. She started to get the fear of God in her and she started to put those ways behind her. And when those ways were gone and she was able to think clearly, she realized she needed to deal with this guilt and this oppression from the abortion. And so we had a healing deliverance session for her where she confessed and she received healing. But when she shared this testimony, I mean, you can literally look around the room and many of the, especially the guys, their jaws were like, <laughs> they couldn't believe that Mina was so unashamed to speak forth her testimony. And, you know, and this is something that, you know, for Koreans, we see like Caucasians do this all, all the time or, or even African-Americans. They share their testimony. You know, and, and they have, they're sure about how they got raped in front of a mic. And they have no problems with it. But why not rape? Whoa, you're getting uncomfortable right now. I'm not even talking about anyone. And most of us in here are Koreans. We get uncomfortable. Why? Because it's not in our culture. Why? Because Satan has created that culture, not God. Where everything's hidden. Everything's about saving face. But man, something happened in the room when Mina shared her testimony unashamed, direct. She spoke it out. There was a breaking in the spirit. Then just when that happened, Aaron came up. And then she shared her testimony. And she was just like, you think Mina was bad? Well, check out my story. <laughs> and Aaron also, you know. You know and, and I still have people come up to me and they go, you know, Christian, you shouldn't share your wife's testimony you know, on, the, on the mic like that. And I understand their concern. I think there's some tact that I have to use. But my wife is not ashamed of her testimony. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? She's not ashamed. So that she also had lived a life of drugs, promiscuity. You know, she was dating a drug dealer throughout college. She does not know how she graduated, by the way. Because for all four of her years, she was just high. No, literally. It was the grace of God. She has a testimony about how she got graduated. Not just about how she got delivered, how she graduated. But, um, man, when she shared her testimony, man, game over. Game over. I went up, I grabbed the mic, and I was like, Lord, I want to preach my message now. God said, you don't preach that message. You're going to do an altar call right now. And you could look around, and then even Pastor Joshua, the, the pastor of New Life, he just came up to me, and he's like, oh, I think you should do something different. And I was just like, all right, all right, all right. Everybody's, all right, okay, all right, fine. Right now, we're going to do an altar call. If you've been living a double life like me and Aaron, you want out of that life, you know that that's not what God has destined you for. I don't care how you got there, whether it was by your own fault or by, by someone else abusing you. I want you to come forward. Come to the altar. And abandon that way of life. Rise up to be the army of God. Get purified, sanctified. Come up to the altar. The moment I said that, already the altar was packed with people. Girls, guys. There were certain guys that came up. That the rest of the church, they started applauding. Because they were so shocked. These are the guys at the church that are the most antagonistic. 
the most hating, that they're haters. They're the rebellious ones. They're the ones when Sasha was trying to lead games, they were on the side playing volleyball, completely ignoring her. And they came forward because the power of the testimony of Jesus in the life of Mina and Aaron broke the bondage, the yoke that they were carrying for so many, many years. And it was not the power of a great sermon. It was the power of a testimony. The word of God. See, when I preach a sermon, it's the word of God that's static and I speak it out that it might be living in your life. But when a testimony is shared, it is a word of God that is already living in a person being spoken out of what God has already done in their life. It's the living word going out, spoken. And hallelujah, man. Everybody at the altar, man, they were breaking down in tears. People were wailing at the top of their lungs. And Pastor Joshua found it so refreshing. Because he had never seen them like that. Brothers and sisters, there is power in the testimony. I even shared my testimony. And it wasn't my salvation testimony because that's real boring. Actually, Mina and Aaron's testimony really isn't a salvation testimony. Their testimony is just, they were Christians. They grew up in the church. They were backslidden real bad. And you might look at their life. If you, if you met them three years ago, you might say, they're not Christians. They don't go to church. They do all kinds of things. They must not be Christians. No, they were. They were just like the prodigal son. They were just seriously backslidden. And because of the devil's work in the world, and because of the culture he creates where he kills all faith, a lot of young people are in that state. But guess what? God is breathing life into dry bones and calling them up to stand on their feet as a mighty army. Hallelujah. And not only did they share their testimony, I got to share my testimony too. I shared my testimony of how I got the gift of tongues. If you never heard it, all right, uh, you check out one of my old podcasts. I, I shared it. But I have, this, I have this really funny kind of, you know, it's a testimony that really fits me. Because, you know, I, I just, you know, yeah. Anyway, I shared a testimony, right? And majority of the room, they didn't like tongues. They never got tongues. All right? This is a church culture that wasn't really moving in the Holy Spirit. Right? I, I shared my testimony. The next morning, I tried to, I preached, I tried to preach the spirit of Caleb again. The next morning. Because Pastor Joshua was like, I'm tired. You want to preach? And I was like, okay, I'll preach. I didn't get to preach last night, so let me just preach this morning. And I went up to preach, and God said, don't preach that message. <laughs> Share your testimony of how you got the gift of tongues. So more than a message, it was really a testimony. And after I shared that, man, something broke. All the religious spirits in the room, they were bound up and destroyed. All their strongholds just came shattering. I, it's almost like I looked at it. I was like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah. I was looking at all the strongholds of religion getting shattered just through my testimony. It was amazing. Because when I did the altar call, there was barely an empty seat. Everybody came forward. And pretty much almost everybody got tongues right there. It was, it was drastic change. We were like, hey, hey, you guys, let's pray. Let's pray. And they were like, mm, Lord, mm, Lord. That was the way they prayed. But man, after they got to give, give the tongues, man, I was like, I was, let's pray. Pastor Joshua would be like, let's pray. And people would be like, yeah, Lord. La, 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 la. 
And not everybody gets tongues compulsively. They don't, it's not an overwhelming experience for everybody. Some people, they get, they get it that way. Other people, it's almost like a learned behavior that they, that they, that they access through faith. Anyway, man, uh, for the people that didn't get, there's a bunch of people that were getting it overwhelmingly and compulsively. And there's a bunch of people that were kind of getting it, you know, slowly. And I'll just come up to them and I'll be like, come on, just remember what my testimony was. All right? And in my testimony, I said that when I first started speaking in tongues, somebody suggested that I use the phrase, should have got a Honda. Should have got a Honda, should have got a Honda, should have got a Honda. Man, it sounds just like tongues, but nobody will know. But no, as you activate that, man, the, the Spirit of God does take over and you're able to actually speak in tongues. I just heard a bunch of should have got a Honda, should have got a Honda, should have got a Honda, should have got a Honda. I'm like, hallelujah, we're in it. People over here getting compulsively, people over here getting it, hallelujah, by faith. But man, you should have seen the joy on their face. People who got the gift of tongues. You know what? Because the gift of tongues, it allows you to access the intimacy of God. Even if you didn't do quiet times your whole week. Even if you haven't been living an obedient life, if you, if you have the gift of tongues, it's a gift. You don't earn it. God gives it to you out of His goodness so that you can access immediate presence, and, like immediate access to His presence, immediate intimacy with Him. Hallelujah. Man, everybody was so happy. Because now they were exercising this gift where the clarity can sense the love of God. Just wrapping them. The power of God coming upon them. The Spirit of God showing them His power. It was an amazing time. Hallelujah. Bill Johnson said it like this. Testimonies prophesy God's intent and nature to all who hear. Brothers and sisters, testimony the power of a testimony is not just affects the people that hear it the first the one time. It has a ripple effect. Like there are testimonies that you might even heard through my message right now that you're going to end up sharing with somebody else. You're going to be like, I heard this preacher today. I visited this crazy church called New Philadelphia. And I almost didn't find it because it was, it was so hard to find. <laughs> Finally found that church, went upstairs. <laughs> Projector wasn't working. There's some dude up on, who, who, who was singing all these old school songs. He, he thinks he's still in the mid-90s. <laughs> and then I heard this preacher talk about this story, man. It's, it's a stupid story, but you know, let me tell you about it. And the person who hears it is going to be like, you know, that's what I want. If they experience that, I can experience that. If that's the God that they experience, then that's the God that I serve. As a ripple effect, we, our church has yet to really access and understand the power, the conquering power of a testimony. But I believe, hallelujah, from this day forth, we're launching in to truly experience and understand the power of a testimony. Brothers and sisters, you will share your testimony and people will get healed. You will share your testimony. People will get saved. Your family's going to come to the Lord. Because the power, there's power in the testimony of Jesus. If you want to prophesy, share your testimony. Because it expresses the nature and intent of the Father's heart. Let's pray.
I want us to take this time and just just one prayer topic. I just want to ask you guys to pray and ask Jesus to anoint your lips to share your testimony. Don't let the culture that Satan has created, especially in Korean culture, of saving face, don't let that culture shut your mouth up from speaking forth the testimony of Jesus. Because let me tell you right now, It's the testimony of Jesus that will give the church of God the power to overcome all the works of the enemy. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that we are his witnesses. You know, a witness simply means a person with a testimony. The question today is, will you be his witness? Will you be his witness? Are you going to testify or are you going to shut your mouth? Because I believe the spirit of prophecy, the very spirit of God, He's stirring up our hearts today to speak forth your testimonies. Search your heart. Search your memories. Search your history. Look through your family. There are testimonies galore all around you. It's just that we have selective memory. And we tend to forget the amazing things that God has done. People who've been on mission trips... Why have you not spoken forth what you saw and you heard and you see you saw God do? Why have you not spoken that forth? That is not the work of God's Spirit. That is the work of the devil. We are to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. And when we overcome the devil, when we possess his gates, when we plunder his house by the power of our testimony, hallelujah, that is when the kingdom of God has truly come upon you, brothers and sisters. So let's take some time. Let's pray. Let's pray. Everybody who's going on missions, I want you to ask God, Lord, let me return with the plunder. Let me return with the plunder. And you know what? Guess what? The plunder. Your plunder is testimonies. If you come back with testimonies, it's like you're coming back from war with a whole bunch of plunder. Guess what? Those testimonies tell us of how you plunder Satan's house. Hallelujah. So if you're going on a mission trip, you better ask God, Lord, give me plunder. I want to return with plunder, Lord. Hallelujah. But let's take some time. Let's ask God. Show us the power of a testimony. Or reveal you to your church, oh God. We love you, Lord. We love you. Power of God be released. The power of Jesus. Let me be your witness, Lord. Whether we're in our workplace, whether we're in our churches, whether we're on our missions, we oh God. The testimony, oh God. The testimony of Jesus. The testimony of your power. The testimony of your glory. The testimony of your greatness.
Jesus Christ, we call upon your name. You are the commander of the Lord's army. And we look to you. We submit to your lordship. And we delight under your authority, Lord. And as your army, as mighty warriors of Christ, Lord God, we refuse to remain silent. We want to speak it out. We want to plunder the house of Satan. As the army of God, we want to go and possess the gate of our enemies and to plunder the house of Satan. Wherever Satan has had strongholds on our families, our friends, on different churches, we want to go in there and take away that stronghold and plunder the enemy. And God, not only do we want to plunder, we want to return with that plunder and tell everybody all about it. Hallelujah. Show this church, New Philadelphia, show New Philadelphia the power of a testimony, O Lord. But there's so many people, even in here, in this audience that are sitting there, and they need your power in their lives, O God. And as these testimonies are being spoken out, hope is rising. Faith is rising right now. Faith is rising for them to be delivered, for them to be healed, for them to be set free. And I pray that that power gets released indeed. when they experience them and they go in turn to share that testimony with others so that the ripple effect of the power of a testimony will be felt from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We delight in your testimonies, O God. May they ever be on our lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.